Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $50,000 up for grabs, and the best part is it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. You just download the DraftKings app now, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Hello everyone, my name is Ryan Stacey and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, you can visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Ryan Mugenel, assistant coach with the Providence Bruins. Ryan has worked for a variety of pro teams, seeing the various techniques and development and relationship building en route to the NHL level. He is very outspoken and provides a lot of detail on the players he has worked with, making for another outstanding interview for our listeners. With that, I am happy to present Ryan Mugenel, assistant coach with the Providence Bruins. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Ryan Mugenel. Assistant coach with the Providence Bruins. Ryan, thanks for joining the podcast. Oh, great to be here, Ryan. Yeah, it's great to have you on as well. And, uh, you know, one thing that I always like to uh, do when I'm looking for guests on the podcast is kind of explore different leagues that we haven't had a lot of coverage in. And and the American Hockey League is definitely one of those levels. Um, so it's exciting to get you on and maybe learn a little bit more about your career as well. So just starting off, maybe give people some more information on you as a person uh, talk about your upbringing, playing sports in your early years, and and just some more information on you. Yeah, I I, I um I actually grew up in uh, Scarborough, Ontario, and made my way. Uh, had a had a lot of great experiences in minor hockey. Uh, ended up playing on a on a really strong uh, team in uh, Mississauga, and a lot of those guys have kind of gone on in hockey careers. One guy's uh, James Boyd, who's now the general manager of uh, the Ottawa 67s and uh, the World Juniors, who's a real good man. But, uh, you know, like all of us that that played in minor hockey, met a lot of great people in the game. 
Um, had some great coaches in my life, moved on to uh, junior, played in Nolan Sound and Kitchener, and then uh, progressed on to pro and played in Cleveland and Rochester and then finished out my career uh, with Team Canada and uh, in the East Coast League in uh, Atlantic City. I won the championship in Atlantic City and then I kind of got into coaching uh, at an early age with uh, a real good buddy of mine I went to, went to uh, school with and grew up with and Matt Thomas who's in uh, who's actually in Cincinnati now in the East Coast League but uh, one of those guys one of the one of your good friends that you get to kind of learn the game uh, from was a was a great experience for me definitely when you can make connections like that early on you never know you know where they're going to lead you and of course that led you into a coaching career as we can see today but uh, maybe just taking it back a few steps there, maybe touch on your playing career a little bit more um, and, and kind of elaborate on some of those places that you played. And and then also how did your playing career and your interest in the game on that side eventually lead into the coaching field? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, again, I, I started my career uh, in Owen Sound. Uh, it's funny when I, when I, <laughs> I was just talking to my one buddy's kid about it. When I first started, uh, playing junior hockey, I, I had I had broken my wrist uh, uh, my draft year and uh, had it fixed in the summer. So I missed the beginning of uh, my my junior career and uh, I started playing. I played uh, with a cast on my my first year and then uh, a good uh, Newfoundlander, uh, Brad Brown. Uh, ran me over in the corner. I broke my other wrist, so I started my my junior career with uh, <laughs> with two broken wrists, um, and uh, it was it was a great thing for me because you know I was frustrated that first year, but I I understood that uh, you know uh, junior hockey you know is is a business, and the pressure of playing was was a big thing for me uh, that first year and. I played two years in Owen Sound, and then I finally really found my mark and um, healed up. Uh, probably by my third year, uh, healed up and and started to enjoy the game again. Uh, as I got traded to Kitchener, and I had a, a great experience in Kitchener. I was kind of an up and down uh, winger, um, and kind of found my scoring touch uh, those two years in Kitchener. That led to some opportunities. Uh, in pro and I, I ended up signing in the IHL, uh, which at the time was uh, on par with the American League, probably just like a little bit older. Um, the other rookie on the team was a guy named Marty St. Louis. So there was a there was a lot of a lot of older players and there was a mix of some really some really good uh, young players that were kind of up and coming. And, and Marty was obviously one of them. Um, and then I played in the, I played in the IHL, uh, still same kind of thing, kind of finding your mark, kind of your identity. And then, uh, I moved on to, um, a year with team Canada, which was amazing. Tom Rennie was a coach where we went kind of all over the world, played in all international tournaments like the Spangler and, and some real kind of special, uh, places. Um, but again, started really loving the game again. And um, by the end of my career, I, I ended up playing for a guy named Mike Havlin and my real good friend, Matty Thomas, who I, I mentioned before, uh, winded it down and then um, uh, kind of got away from the game uh, after I retired. I, I started uh, 
I bought a mini rink with a good buddy of mine and we just did like uh, skill development skills and uh, really enjoyed that. And then uh, got a call from Matty Thomas, who got the job in um, Fresno in the East Coast League. We're both, I think, like 26. Uh, he's a little bit older than me and and moved out to California and started coaching with Matty and uh, it's kind of been at it ever since. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it's always interesting to hear that transition for sure. And uh, I, th- I think it's everybody's pipe dream eventually to have their own rink and kind of work out of that. So that's <laughs> interesting to hear you went in that direction. But, you know, eventually, like you said, you, you went to Fresno and got your start in coaching there. Uh, maybe just break down that experience and then the uh, the transition in that change to the coaching position. Well, I, I, I think about my time in the ECHL and how thankful I was. I, I, I think the ECHL taught me a ton of a ton. And, and the best part about it was I got to do it with a really good friend of mine, which not everybody gets, gets that opportunity. So it was a, it was an amazing thing. We were both, we were both like really young coaches. Uh, some of the players are actually older than us. And at the ECHL level, I think the one thing is um, you wear a lot of different hats. And that's one thing that, that Matt Thomas and I did in Fresno is we did everything. We really didn't have, um a, a front office like it, i think about the things we did we did you know from marketing to ticket sales to work comp to player payroll to immigration um all these different things i mean coaching is almost you know third or fourth down the list when you you know you're recruiting and then and then you get into the hockey so it was long days uh it definitely taught me a work ethic and and time management i think I think uh, that was one of the biggest things that that I that I got out of that experience. Um, and then the other part of it was how important it was for me to have fun while coaching. And and uh, Maddie and I definitely had our share of fun uh, coaching. And we actually we actually bought two houses right beside each other. Um, so we we had a ton of fun doing it, and 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 it was great for me to to start experiencing the game from that, that, uh, different viewpoint. And, and I, I realized that I really enjoyed the game. I really enjoyed the players, um, started kind of forging my identity as a coach there in Fresno. Yeah, no, again, it just seems like, uh, you know, a good opportunity for you and, uh, you know, at the ECHL level, like you said, there's a, a lot of opportunity to get your hands involved in, in pretty much every area of the operation. And it seemed like, uh, that was definitely the case for you and and building on that experience then and, and obviously wanted to pursue uh, maybe the next level in the game, you would then move to Stockton and have the position of assistant coach and assistant general manager. Uh, talk about how eventually that opportunity came to you and then uh, just the difference in working in that position. Well, Ryan, it was it wasn't a great situation based on the fact that uh, uh, our team in Fresno folded uh i think it was i want to say it was maybe the day after christmas um uh the team folded and it was it was a little bit of a nightmare we were we were you know placing all our players in different spots in the echl and at that time stockton had reached out to us uh to come up to stockton and kind of take over the program there they were struggling so we went up to Stockton and, and, and something that Maddie and I had never done, obviously, is, you know, gone in, in somewhere uh, mid-season. So it was it was a great thing for us to kind of learn how to how to 
take over a situation like that. And uh, we had we had immediate success and and uh, Stockton had strong ownership. It was a great place um, and, uh, you know, enjoyed my time in Stockton. And from there, it actually led for an opportunity for me to be a head coach uh, in Las Vegas. Yeah, and maybe we can move right into uh, that opportunity. First and foremost, I should probably say that's that's definitely a tough situation, um, especially that time of year. You know, you never want to see a team fold and and middle of the season, then trying like you you mentioned to you know first and foremost get your players, uh, you know, in a situation where they can play and things like that. It's uh, it's a lot to take on, and then moving to another team, um, you know, just another thing to add to your list of tasks. So. Uh, eventually, as you mentioned, you moved to Vegas and, and there you had the chance to, you know, officially take over control of a lot of the team in, in the head coach and general manager position. Um, maybe talk about that role and then also talk about the Vegas hockey market, you know, before the NHL was there uh, a year, number of years later. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I got the job in Las Vegas, it, and, and it's funny how the hockey world so connected at times that. Uh, the, o- the owner was actually a part owner of a team, the Fresno team, when we were there before he had sold it. So there was a connection there with with uh, Charles Davenport, who was a great owner. Um, I took over in Las Vegas for Glenn Gullitson, who, um, who's gone on to be a head coach in the National Hockey League. He's an assistant in uh, Edmonton now. A real good guy, real, real special guy, great coach. Um, so I took over for him. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. It wasn't a tough place to recruit to. Uh, I actually had a lot of, a lot of friends even that had kind of moved to Las Vegas. So there's already a little community for uh, me and my wife before we even kind of got out there, but we fell in love with Las Vegas almost immediately. Um, Not with the strip or anything like that. It's just, it's just a great spot. uh, Great people. Um, And then, um, yeah, we, we, we struggled at times uh, early on just because we, we were going in a different direction in, in Las Vegas uh, in the fact that we, we really needed to be lean. We were struggling financially. We were bleeding, basically hemorrhaging uh, money uh, when I got in there. Um, we were hemorrhaging money when I left too, but, <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was a tough market. Um, and the East Coast League can be a tough market. You, there's a lot of hidden uh, costs, uh, with work comp and, and travel. And, and, uh, it's real important to have a real strong front office. Uh, you know, the teams that have longevity in that league, you can see the common denominators that they, they're run the right way. And we were trying to get it back on the, back on the rails there. So we were a little bit lean the first couple of years and we did a real good job of recruiting good, young, uh, hungry players who, um, uh, wanted to get to the next level. And that that's part of what the ECHL was for me. I, I think word uh, mouth spread pretty quickly that I was a coach that promoted his players, got his players up to the American League and had them have some sort of uh, longevity. I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of uh, a couple of players that ended up in Newfoundland there in St. John's. One was Josh London. I don't know if you know Josh. I think Josh has actually made his home there. Um, but I, I, I think about all those players and now you're like, you're going to weddings and kids are having, uh, kids and, um, you know, it was, it was such a fun and special time. Uh, those are connections with players that I've never lost touch with and very thankful for, for that time, 
in the ECHL in Las Vegas, you know, met a lot of great people and, and more importantly, uh, had a lot of impact on a lot of players uh, that have gone on and, and, you know, whether it's Europe or even some to the NHL, um, it was a real special place for me as I, I kind of learned who I was as a head coach. Yeah, and building that identity as a coach is always an important thing and something you you always want to strive for. And being known as a development coach and a coach that can move players up to, uh, you know, the longevity in their career, increase that longevity, um, you know, it's only going to be good for them and in the long run good for you as well. And sure enough, soon after that position, you would be able to move up again to the AHL level, uh, this time working with the, the Hershey organization. So maybe talk about uh, that role specifically and then the adjustments uh, during that transition. Yeah, like like I said, this, the, this business is all based on um, relationships that you've made and created. And, and, you know, one thing that I valued throughout my career is relationships and how important those are no matter, you know, no matter where they are. Uh, it's, it's real important to, to have a connection to people. That's who I am as a coach. Um, that's not going to change. So, when Mike Havlin, who I had as a as a player when I was a player and, and he was a coach in Atlantic City, um, you know, we still kind of kept that that uh, connection. He had he had won a Stanley Cup in Chicago. Uh, same thing kind of grew from the East Coast League to the American League. Tons of success, moving players up, got an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup with Chicago and then went back to the American League as a head coach. He called me. Uh, I, it was an amazing opportunity. We went to Hershey, um, a little bit different in Hershey at the time. Uh, it wasn't as much as a development plan in Hershey. And that's kind of been the, was the common denominator back, back then. Um, we had an older team. Um, it was a great first year for me in the American league to understand the, the type of player, what they go through. Um, and then Mike moved on. He got the job at Colorado College, so it kind of left me on an island. Um, and I had a I, I had uh, I had a great opportunity in San Jose, and and very thankful uh, to get to San Jose and and be a part of that organization right after uh, Hershey. For sure, and with Hershey again, another connection that you're able to form early on, um, albeit in your playing career, and then it led to a position there and. Uh, definitely the Hershey Bears are, have always been a team that um, definitely seems to be competitive in the AHL. So um, interesting just to hear the, the focus on development and, and the different situation that was there. But um, as you as you mentioned, eventually the San Jose system would open up another opportunity for you and you'd be able to move into that program as well. So uh, talk about the move and then also maybe the difference in, in that program and, and just your tenure there overall. Yeah, I think every organization's philosophies, they, they're, they're always changing. And I think the way that, you know, the CBA is designed now, you know, growth, development in your players is, is the most important part of the American Hockey League. And at the time uh, when we were in Hershey, it was just, it was just different. It's, it, was, it's, uh, it was, you know, basically its own an entity. It, it was its own little NHL. We had players making a lot of money in the American Hockey League, older players. Uh, you know, you would never probably see that now the way it was structured, but it, w- it was awesome in the fact that some of our young players and, and, and I probably assimilate probably a little bit better with the younger player that's kind of growing and, you know, developing. We had some 
real good players uh, down in the American League with with me at that time. Dmitry Orlov was one. Nate Schmidt was another one. Um, Connor Carrick, players that have that have have grown and had amazing NHL careers and. It's it's awesome to watch those guys. You know, I just had a I just had a call about Philip Grubauer, and they were talking about some of the money that that he's probably going to command in the in the open market. And it, I'll tell you, it it happens quickly. Um, uh, it's just it's just nice being a part of their growth um, and still kind of have those relationships. But the development plans are always kind of different wherever you go. And then I went to San Jose, where development was. First and foremost, like it was, it was all about the development of the young player. And, and uh, for a guy like me, a coach, it was really refreshing where um, that took precedent. And that's who I've always been was a guy that grew players. And, and um, again, amazing opportunity to work with some real great athletes, great kids. Um, and we had a lot of success growing a lot of those, uh, those players into the National Hockey League. Definitely with the San Jose organization, you know, a, a very good NHL team uh, during the time as well. So, um, you know, when, when the team is doing good at the highest level, you're definitely it's kind of fueling the development to continually push players in, especially with salary cap and and all these different things. But, um, you know, always interesting just to hear the, the differences in the organizations, even at the same level and and kind of gain some insight uh, from that, from the coach's perspective and. Uh, you know, today you're still in the AHL, this time uh, with the Providence Bruins underneath the Boston Bruins organization. Uh, definitely a lot of listeners on this podcast that follow along with, with that team. So, um, you know, just again, moving situations, talk about uh, the Bruins, working with them, and then maybe break down a week in your current position and just provide some more context on the role. Yeah, I mean, um, like my career, it's funny where it takes you, you know, I I had a young family. I was living in, I was, I was living, my wife is from Boston, from Hyde Park. And we were, we were living by coastal and uh, it was a tough way to live. And um, uh, John Ferguson Jr. Who was in San Jose, probably a little bit before me. And again, one of those relationships where you develop the Larry Robinson. Uh, I got the opportunity to work with in San Jose and, and anyways, this 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 relationship developed here in Boston. I got an opportunity to come to Providence, which was a dream come true uh, for my family. Um, for my family, life was uh, you know a much better situation. And and um, sometimes you have to make those tough decisions, uh, but it, it's it's worked out great. And you know the Boston Bruins are another one of those organization that. Uh, I can't say enough about how uh, well run um, in regards to development and cutting edge and all those things that make players grow. Uh, The players here have a ton of tools um, to grow and to get to the next level. And it's just amazing uh, that they allow me to be a part of it. So uh, I'm very thankful for that. Um, Again, they do such a great job of, of not just, drafting high quality players, but uh, the athlete that I get to work with here with the Bruins has been exceptional. And and we talk about it all the, all the time, how such high quality kids we have coming through our program. It's, it's really outstanding the job that, that uh, Don Sweeney and 
Ferg and, and Jamie Langenberner and Chris Kelly, all these guys that are in development and drafting have done such a great job of recognizing such such uh, great kids that that want to get better. So it makes my job a lot easier. It makes us look like like uh, we know what we're doing. So it's uh, it's been it's been uh, exceptional since I've been here. Yeah, and, and just kind of continuing on the trend of, of the, the players that they were able to select and you guys were able to kind of push to the next level. Um, a couple of players that people definitely recognize, you know, Clifton, Sonika, Frederick, all these different guys that have spent time with the Providence Bruins and, and also had stints with the Boston Bruins. Uh, maybe just talk about some of those players that you've seen here as of late and, and kind of how they looked coming into the organization and how they've grown here over time. Yeah, it, it's funny because, uh, you know, Chris Kelly and I obviously spend a lot of time together and and you become super protective of, of players when you have them in the American League. They're going to the NHL. But I think the one common denominator with all, with all those guys is that they spent significant time in the American Hockey League. Um, when they've gone to the NHL, it hasn't just been for a game or two. They've gone and they've sustained, you know, an opportunity to stay in the lineup. and And that's... That's what the American League is about sometimes is, you know, it, it's important to struggle. And, and all those all those players like Jack, Jack not so much, but Zaboral and Lazan and Clifton and Vakaninen, they've all struggled at the American Hockey League. And you're going to struggle. I don't care. I've never seen a player not struggle at some time uh, in the American League. And I think the one thing the American League does is, it allows those players to figure out how to get out of the struggle. Sometimes when, when players go right from junior or college right to the NHL and they start to struggle, they don't know how to get out of it. And I think uh, the one thing with all those players is they're all smart. Uh, they're all super committed. Um, and they figured out a way that to get themselves back on track and, and, I'm real proud of the job that a lot of them have done and gone up. Obviously some of them we want, uh, you know, for that process to be expedited, but the NHL is a real good league. And uh, sometimes we forget that uh, with players, there's really, really good players in that league. So um, guys like Jack Stanica, they're, they're, they're honestly just like, just scratching the surface. This, the commitment these kids have to the game is phenomenal. So I, I have no questions about uh, Jack Stanika stepping in, um, getting an opportunity, building trust with the coaching staff. And that that's a big part of it too. Butch is a, Butch is a real bright coach. He, he has a real knack of getting the most out of, out of really good players. So I'm excited for the development with, with Jack, uh, Freddie, uh, Carson Kuhlman, all these players, I just think that staff up there does such a great job of growing these guys into contributing NHLers. Obviously, losing Jeremy Lazan uh, in the expansion draft was a tough one, I think, for the organization. He's another one of those guys, and, and he's a great lesson for young players that, you know, is inquisitive. And I think that's such a such a such a character trait that that gets lost sometimes. Um, players and I was the same way. I didn't ask enough questions. And Jeremy Lazan is one of those guys. He's always asked questions. He's always wanted to get better. Um, there was a lot of time spent with Jeremy. Uh, he's a special kid away from the rink, comes from an amazing family. Um, yeah, it was for me personally, it was, 
was <laughs> it was really hard to to lose uh, Jeremy. I think he was just kind of scratching the surface. So, um, you know, but that's what the game's about too. You know, you you wish the best for them, and um, a lot of a lot of our guys that have gone on and and had success at the NHL level, like the Connor Cliftons that just started on an American League deal. Um, that's how the game works sometimes, you know, that's, that's all you can do is get them ready for the NHL to contribute. And they've all done that. We're proud of them. Some of them are still growing. You know, Jacob Zaboral is a real special player. Um, I loved how his growth uh, started. And, and again, one of those guys, like the NHL, is, it's, it's tough. The schedule is tough. The players are tough. The mental grind of it's tough. And as these guys get more experienced and the more acclimated they get to the NHL, the better they're going to be. So I know as fans, sometimes it's, it's hard to stay patient, but be patient. And then Trent Frederick is exactly what you see. He's uh, I always say, he, I always tell Freddie, like, Freddie, if I'm going fishing, you're coming on my fishing trip. You know, like you, you just want to be around the kid. He's full of life and full of juice. And uh, another one of those kids is just like, you meet his parents and you know why he's the way he is. He's, he's just uh, an awesome kid and he's going to be a fan favorite here in Boston for years to come. Yeah. It's, it's so great to see the players that you've been able to build relationships with, you know, go on to be successful and uh, with Lozon, you know, being picked up in the expansion draft. One thing you can kind of say about that and others have said in the past when speaking about a similar situation is, uh, you can clearly see that there's development that another organization is willing to to kind of go for him as well. So, um, you know, opportunities come in different areas. So that, that's, again, interesting just to hear about all those players and, and a lot of fans will be interested to see how their games translate. And, uh, you know, throughout this conversation, you've kind of talked about constantly development and, and building relationships and, and all these things in your coaching role. Is that something that you, you think has changed over time collectively in, in hockey, that that's been the focus, whereas maybe before it was about winning? And maybe just talk about the the change in the coaching position kind of since you've come into the field. Yeah, it's funny, Ryan. I, I you know, I, I read a quote the other day with Rod Brindamore. He said it's, it's less about X's and O's now. It's more about the relationship with players. And, and for somebody like myself, I, I've never – changed that way I've always believed that the relationships you create with the players are, are really the most important part of it and you build the trust um you know I think I think like I think my dad probably said it best to me one day we, he was out visiting when I was in Las Vegas and starting to realize that when I was in Las Vegas I had a lot more visitors than I had anywhere else but um he said to me, if you're in sales and, and you're trying to get your employees to, to sell more, to sell more and you're sitting above them and hitting them over the head with a ruler, like, are they going to sell more? Like the relationships you develop, you're going to get more out of the guys. And ultimately, like that's for them. I, I'm a coach that believes in player first. I, I'm not going to tell you I'm a player's coach. Um, players might describe me like that, but that's, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm a big believer in the player comes first. Coaching is, it's secondary, right? It's about the player and, and their growth. And maybe at the NHL level, Ryan, it's different. Uh, maybe you have to be like that. You know, I had the opportunity when I was in San Jose, I lived with Pete DeBoer and, and Steve Spott. And, and I understood that part of it, like just living with them, how different it was. Like 
It's about winning nonstop. It's not about, you know, Jeremy Lazan's growth from one game to the next. They want the finished product there. And, and it's a, it's a different mentality, but I will say this to you, Ryan, I, I don't believe that winning and developing are two separate um, byproducts. They're, they're, they're the same thing. Like if I was in the East coast league and I went to my owners and I said, Oh, I, I'm Ryan Musial. I'm just about developing. They'd be like, buddy, we want to win here. Like, I don't care. Like, so they've always gone hand in hand with me. I think you develop winning habits. I mean, meaningful games are important, um, especially in the American Hockey League. You want to see how guys play on big stages. That That's an important part of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, as you progress in this game, I just think athletes have changed. I, I haven't necessarily changed. It's good to see that that coaches are changing and recognizing that it's listen, it's I've had some good coaches. I've probably had some, some coaches I wouldn't want to play for again, but you take the good with the bad and, and you recognize in yourself what you don't want to be as a coach. I think that's an important part of it. And I just made that commitment to myself and to the players that they always come first. A great point to make. And, and I think just uh, maybe your playing career also had that, that influence, as you said, you've played for some coaches that you, uh, you know, maybe didn't want to kind of follow their habits and others that you definitely wanted to take some and you learn something from every coach you play for. So um, an interesting tie there as well. And before we move into kind of some of the reflective questions that we usually do on the podcast, uh, one other thing I want to touch on here quickly is the Durham Hockey Institute. Uh, maybe just shed some light on that and your work with that brand. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was interesting because, um, you know, two of my close close friends, um, again, in hockey, uh, Wayne Primo and, and Keith Primo, we had an opportunity to to start a hockey school and um, we started it in um, Hanover, Ontario. And we used to just do like a week um, up at the up at the cottage. That's basically it. it was an opportunity to get us all together and have some fun. And we started doing a school and, and we we recognized that we really enjoyed it. One. And then two, uh, Keith had really wanted to give back to the game. Um, it was a real kind of it was it was real for him. And same with Wayne. Wayne was still playing at the time. Um, and then that kind of morphed into saying like, you know what, let's grow this a little bit bigger. And we ended up uh, developing a hockey school. We did, we used to do about 13 weeks in summer. Um, uh, me and Keith probably did a little bit more than Wayne did. Cause Wayne was still, still playing, but um, again, like loved it. Like, and it wasn't, it wasn't always that way, probably for both of us with the relationship with the game, but we realized that we liked young players. We liked giving back. The other part of it too, Ryan was uh, at the time, Keith and Wayne had young kids. They were in the hockey school. Um, and another one of our partners was a guy named um, Derek Smith, who played in the NHL for the, for the Flyers. His son, is a kid named Dalton Smith that's gone on and, and played in our league. But um, 
as we've kind of progressed and we went along, a lot of the kids were, were really growing um, as players. And now um, Keith's one son, Caden, um, plays in the Montreal system. Uh, Chase is uh, D1 at uh, Omaha, Nebraska, another one of Keith's kids. Uh, Wayne's son just signed with uh, Las Vegas. Wayne's daughter uh, just got a full ride to um, Syracuse University for hockey. So there, there's been like tons of growth, uh, even just with the kids, just with their kids. And unfortunately, my girls don't play, which I think is <laughs> not necessarily a bad thing. I spend most of my days now in the summer on the soccer field. So uh, learning a whole nother sport. But um, real important uh opportunities again to build relationships with all those kids and and uh something i really enjoyed yeah kind of furthering your uh your mentality there of development and anytime you can tie into the grassroots and and get up to the cottage a little bit i think that's always a a fun thing to tie in as well and um and, and further those relationships and uh, you know, that's a learning experience for you, just, again, at a different level to coach at and, and kind of promote uh, things there. And um, another place that a lot of people like to learn is through references, whether it's books, articles, presentations, conferences, you know, there's a, a number of different things out there. Um, for you personally, are there any things that you would recommend for coaches or people listening uh, just to get involved in or, or read into uh, for their own learning? Well, I, I, I'll tell you this. I've, I've done... Um a lot of coaches conferences. Um, I did one with the OHL. I've done the one with the OHL the last couple of years. And I'll tell you what, there's some of the speakers that have spoke. I, I just like, man, there's so many amazing coaches out there. And I think it's real important to understand that like you can learn from a minor hockey coach, uh, an NHL coach, an American hockey league coach, like, there's, there's so much out there and I think it's real important to, to take it all in. Like I, I've had such an amazing opportunity to be around some amazing hockey people. Like I, I, I told the story that one day to the D uh, you know, Larry Robinson, I got to spend significant amount of time with Larry Robinson. And like, I would tell my father, I'd be home in the summer. My parents live in Peterborough and, you know, the phone would ring and be Larry and like my dad would be like, like are you really talk like, is that really Larry Robinson? <laughs> and I would tell the D, you know, Larry Robinson. And they were like, who the basketball player? Like, like that's how far, but I've had amazing influences uh, on me. And one of the biggest influences was Todd McCollin, who was in San Jose and just changed how I, you know, saw coaching. Like I, I, they used to bring us out early and I was, I remember sitting there being like, I know nothing. Like this guy is where, what have I been doing for the last like eight years? Like this guy is such a student. And I learned a lot from him in the fact that he brought me right into his office and he said, tell me everything Mike Haviland taught you. Like, he had already been coaching in the NHL for 10 years and he wanted to know what I knew. And I think, I think as a young coach, I think that had a huge influence on me that listen, being stubborn, you know, your way, there's something to that, but being open, uh, 
for me is the only way you're going to grow. The, the game is not an exact science. I want to take in as much as I can. Um, you know, I get the opportunity to sit in the coach's office with Butch Cassidy and like, it, it's, it's crazy when this guy starts talking about the offensive side of the puck and, you know, the opportunity to be around that. And if you don't take that in, you know, that's on me, you know? So I'm very thankful of, of all the people in my life that, that have provided any type of, of uh, growth for me as a coach. Definitely. I, th- I think in the hockey community, there's always people to learn from and it's refreshing. Like you said, when you can see a, uh, maybe someone at the NHL level looking to learn from, from someone who's younger, that's always a, a benefit for sure. And, uh, with that and learning about some of the resources and conferences that you'd like to look into and learning about some of those mentors, um, as a final question on the podcast, if you could maybe provide advice to someone who's looking to get into the field of coaching or someone who's looking to make that jump to the professional level, what's one piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful? Pick up the phone, pick up the phone and, and keep developing relationships. You could send a thousand resumes out. I don't, I have never in my life gotten a job because of my resume. It just, it's not how it works. It, it goes by um, your network of people. And for me, that's why establishing relationships for, for all those things, for, for maybe job opportunities. Um, for me, it's growth as a coach. I, I want to know what, you know, I, I think about like I put together during the pandemic, uh, we called it a coach's campfire and uh, we had a zoom and I started listing all the people that I wanted on want, wanted to talk to and share with all guys I kind of trust. And, and it was mind boggling how many young coaches and coaches like myself were on it and had such amazing things to share. So I think it's, I think, as a, as a young coach, when I was a lot younger, I think the things I could have done differently was probably reach out more and be more open to how the game's played, the trending, how games, how the game's trending. I think that's an important part of it. But um, the, the only advice I would give is improve your network. Don't, don't think you're putting uh, these people out. Like I always pick up my phone. I always return a phone call. Um, that's just who I am. I, and I think, uh, if I can help somebody now that's helped me, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta pay it back too. So, uh, be a little bit done in and call people and, and put yourself out there. Yes. Tremendous advice there. I think, uh, you know, developing a network and is, is so key. And like you've said in, in a number of your positions and, uh, you know, we've gone through a hundred plus episodes now, it seems like every time, uh, somebody got somewhere because of that genuine connection and, and picking up the phone and having a, you know, an old fashioned chat and, and kind of developing it from there. So, you know, tremendous advice. And I think a lot of people should, uh, should definitely follow um, that advice moving forward. So uh, with that, Ryan, I just want to thank you again for taking some time out of your schedule and joining me today. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and hopefully things, uh, you know, go back to normal this season and uh, the AHL is able to, uh, to kind of go back on a regular basis. And then, like I said, all the best for you moving forward. Thanks, Ryan. Really appreciate it. All the best to you, too. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Take care. Cheers. One thing that fans within the game, hockey minds, and players can agree upon is that when done responsibly, there's nothing better at the end of the day 
than a cold beer that you enjoy for both its taste and its aroma. And this segment of the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Kitty Vitty Brewery. You can visit their tap room now open seven days a week and their new retail location in St. John's, Newfoundland at 16 Harborview Avenue. If you're one of those people who are maybe looking for some more entertainment, somewhere to sit with friends, you can definitely check out their original location in Kitty Vitty, Newfoundland. Join the Kitty Vitty Craft Club at kittyvittybrewery.ca and give them a follow on social media to keep up to date on the latest brew news. If you're not from Newfoundland and not from the East Coast and you want to get involved, definitely follow them on social media and learn more about their beer, which is great for a casual beer drinking fan and also the beer enthusiasts. And stay tuned, because who knows, maybe they'll find their way to get their beer to a location near you. Check out Kitty Vitty Brewery today for more information on their beer, clothing, and all things Kitty Vitty Brewery. I'd like to thank Ryan for joining me on the podcast and talking about his career thus far. There's no trouble to tell he would fit in with any program based on his personality alone, and I'm sure we will see him continually progress in the game as time moves on. If you would like to get in touch with Ryan to learn more about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly, or you can contact Hockey Minds Podcast at Outlook.com, and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Phil McRae, former director of North American Amateur Scouting at the NHL level. Phil provides a lot of great insight into scouting for the Columbus Blue Jackets, Arizona Coyotes, and London Knights, among other organizations, so keep an eye out for that release on Sunday. Once again, thank you everyone for supporting the podcast, and be sure to give us your thoughts and opinions on the podcast on our various social media platforms. As always, stay safe, and all the best.